Welcome to Pool Party Radio. This is the number one podcast for like a really fat tiger on the entire internet. I'm your host, Parker, joined as always by co-host Razorman Cumulus. How are you, Cumulus? Greetings and salutations, uh, Parker. I feel like shit. This has been an awful week, but how are you? Oh, I'm I'm okay. What's wrong with you? What's, what's the problem? Oh, just loads. Uh, went to the dentist, and it was not a good visit. What did he tell you? He gave you some bad news? You got the gingivitis? Got a lot of stuff going on. This is like a new one, and... Like first I'm laying down there and they're trying to they're selling me on this warranty for a Sonicare toothbrush. Mm-hmm. Sonicare doesn't support this podcast, by the way. That's just exactly the thing that they're trying to sell me. And it was all about this warranty. They're just saying, like, yeah, the office has a warranty that's much longer than those you'd find in the store. And I'm like, why are you doing this? And then as I'm leaving, they're like, Well, here's basically your mouse all fucked up and here's all the stuff you have to do with it. <laughs> so come and see us a couple of times and like Half my year next year is just going to be like going to the dentist. I'm not into it. So I don't know what to do. Because I had been to other dentists before and I just didn't want to go to the last one since it's far away. And with this one, I'm like, hold the fucking phone. Like, what is all of this that you want to do? And yeah, I think I need to go see another dentist for a second opinion. <laughs> I think so. I think anytime a dentist tries to like sell you on warranties and shit like this, like yeah, that's probably not a good dentist. The reason I let, left the last dentist is because they're trying to sell me insurance. And <laughs> that was bogus as fuck. So, yeah, coupling that with just like um, trying to recoup after traveling a lot. Uh, the traveling was fun. I felt like I made an ass of myself a couple of times. I said the words blow me in casual conversation, and I totally regret it. Who did you say that to? <laughs> I said it when talking about um, uh, going to see a Philip Glass concert. <laughs> I was recounting that experience, and I was talking about the audience members who were there. Um, it was an audience that took place in Oakland, not necessarily the people of Oakland. I actually liked Oakland a lot, so I don't think these were people from Oakland. But they paid like a huge amount of money to see Philip Glass do a live score to 1931 Belagosi's Dracula. And oh man, Parker, I was so fucking heated. Oh, I heard, everybody, I heard about how mad everybody's you like, were. huh? I heard about how mad you were. Man, immediately, like as we left the theater, I went with Sean Byron, by the way, and his lovely wife. And Sean's like, so what do you think, man? Pretty great, huh? It's like, yeah, except for the fucking audience, <laughs> so everybody could hear. <laughs> and I was just, I would not let it go. And they're both like, but you like the show, right? I'm like, sure, if I get over the fucking chuckles from everybody who just saw Renfield say master for the first time. That's totally new, right? Man, I was so pissed. And when I was recounting that experience to people at the um, live Ilkhan show, like the after show thing at a uh, bar, I said, <laughs> so it's like these people are just being assholes, these chuckle fucks. And I'm like, blow me. And as immediately as I said it, I'm like, God, why did I say that? And I can see the pain look on people's faces. Like, ah, why did it? Why did it? What was this said? Is, <laughs> why did we have to be subject to this? Is blow me no longer in vogue? You can't tell people that anymore? I never liked saying it to begin with. Um, unless I was like mimicking somebody else who had said it. But for me to have said it, it felt weird. So I immediately left after that. 
<laughs> just I, left town. Yeah, I did. Because <laughs> I was in San Francisco. So I like said goodbye to everybody and I apologized for being vile. And they're like, why are you not vile? And I was like, no, I am. And I left. Wow. Did they not realize that that is like the deepest of puns? You went to a Philip Glass concert, you're referring to it, and then you said, blow me? I mean, <laughs> I, in my mind at the time, it sounded right because uh, Philip Glass has like a history in New York. And I'm like, surely a New Yorker could appreciate this phrase. <laughs> <laughs> but neither here nor there. Uh, I just felt really shitty about a lot of things this week. How are you, Derek, from Astro Radio Z? I am good. Frisbee, it's nice to meet you finally. And nice to meet you as well. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, well, thanks for hearing about my shitty week on the outset before <laughs> introducing you. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's how I can tell how heated you were, Frisbee. That you just went into this is like I think the first time in 300 episodes that you've just gone into a rant immediately on the show. I love it. Can't be the first time. I know I've done it before because you love it when I rant about shit. And I do. Everybody does, and <laughs> it's well known. Like, like, yeah, exactly. Like I told a, a coworker about my experience at um, at this dentist's office, and I capped it off with, "This is the saddest I've been in a long time." And she started laughing hysterically. <laughs> so if that tells you anything about how people respond to like my true as fuck feelings, it's uh. It's with joy and hilarity. So mm -hmm. we love it. As long as somebody's getting a rise out of it, like I don't mind. I'd rather be getting paid for it, but you know, whatever. Yeah, you can't give those jokes away for free. That's what I'm saying, man. But yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Derek. Um, I am a guy that does a podcast called Astro Radio Z, just kind of like uh, Junk Food Dinner. We talk about a lot of crumb bum movies, uh, mostly in the cult exploitation and horror genre. I've also been involved in uh, underground filmmaking for about 10 plus years now. Done a bunch of movies, one called Swamphead, another uh, documentary called Screaming in High Heels, and uh, the, one of the newest ones, <clears throat> excuse me, that I just got done helping out with as an editor was the sequel to Manos Hands of Fate called Manos Returns. So cool. that's, uh, that's kind of what I do. I, uh, yep. I'm into it. Uh, how did uh, the Manos Returns thing turn out? When can we expect to see it or is it out already? Um, I don't believe it's out. I think it's still kind of like in the color and sound mixing stages as of uh, this point. But um, from what I've seen, obviously, I've seen the whole movie, just not the the finished version of it um it's really fun it's uh my friend tanya atomic directed it with uh the some most of the people that were in the original manos film so nice. jackie Naaman jones who was the daughter the little girl nice. she's in it her dad uh tom Naaman, who unfortunately passed away this year he's in it as the master again uh there's just a ton of people that were in the original production that were a part of this and uh, it's kind of I, I wouldn't say it's one of these movies like a Birdemic 2 or a Samurai Cop 2 that looks at these old properties that everybody kind of points at and makes fun of and then tries to wink at the audience like, yeah, we're in on the joke, too. Um, Tanya and Jackie actually 
really love that movie. <laughs> and um, uh, Rachel, who did this production of uh, Manos in puppet form called Manos Hands of Felt, they were the three <laughs> uh, creative forces behind this. And they wanted to actually do a sequel to it and have fun with it and have it be a horror movie. And it doesn't take itself super seriously, but it's also not one of these nostalgia wank jobs where it's just like the whole time we're just saying, well, we're in on the joke too, right? No, it's it's a fun little trashy movie. I enjoy it a lot. I, I can't wait for people to actually finally see it. I think they'll like it. That's really cool. I'm glad that you got the uh, the guy who played the master in there. I remember like flipping through, I believe it was Jackie Naaman Jones's book about i think it's like growing up with manos something mm-hmm. like that and that was just out i think in uh a year or two ago or maybe when was it i, I think, think it was it just was last, last year. year yeah 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 like 2016 so she was talking about her dad in it and i can't remember if he'd passed yet or not but she was talking about everything leading up to like publication of the book and I just figured that some of those folks had passed, but to have a lot of them in it, that's really fun. Yeah, Um, no, I think that's part of the whole um, point of trying to go back and do this was uh, it was filmed last year. It's already kind of been in the post-production stages for about a year now just because of scheduling and it's a low budget movie. So people have to work on it whenever they get the opportunity to work on it um, outside of their regular jobs. But uh, it was filmed probably a good six, seven months before he died. So fortunately, he's in it, um, and it's fun. I think most of the fans, if there are fans of Mano Sansa Fate, <laughs> outside of like the MST3K people, I think they're going to enjoy it. I think it's it's pretty fun. Like, I can't consider myself a fan, but I, I end up watching it as it's on. It's usually on in, like, in MST3K form, obviously. Right. That's usually how I watch it. It's a tough um, film to have to sit through. It really I, is. <laughs> I think I saw it like on a TCM Underground or one of those programs on its own. And even then, I was still just like, not in, I don't know how to put it, like entranced with a bit of a tinge of like anger. Just like, why am I watching this? Because <laughs> it, it does draw on a lot and it's very slow. And it has like the reason that film is, to, to my mind, one of the reasons it's survive so long it is because of the cult following is just that's like it is so unusual and pre-birdemic pre all of that it was just this fascinating piece of film and the story behind it's really cool too like just the fact that this texas community bands together to make a film uh on a yeah. dare almost on a bet uh, yeah. like i think he wrote it on like a, a bar napkin or something like that it was a total mm-hmm. bet yeah and, uh, an old texas bet is uh and it works out like it i mean it's sustained is the weirdest part like despite all the the failings that one might accuse it of people still know what you're talking about when you're like oh yeah manos like not all people but a lot of them do well, so yeah cool i'm down ones. for that the cool ones yeah the hip ones i want to see what it is though i want to see how this film turns out that sounds rad cool what about you parker are you familiar with manos the hands of fate uh, I think I saw the Mystery Science Theater version when I was a tiny baby, but I don't really remember. So I guess I get to see the original, and then I'll be up to speed. I'll be ready. Yeah, there's so much you're missing out on if you go into the second one. 
one. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to see the first to understand what's going on the second. <laughs> um, well, speaking of getting of knowing and being up to speed, uh, a thing that we like to do when we have new guests on the show, Derek, is to ask them if they've got any laws that they would enact if they were suddenly president slash dictator. Uh, you know, as a means to uh, to get to know you as a person. So uh, do you have any laws that you would enact if you were suddenly granted these magical powers? Well, I actually have four laws that I would enact. And uh, some of them may be very similar, but um, they're four not laws nonetheless. Um, I think my first law would be um, if you drunk heckle at a movie screening, you get one warning. If you do it again, you're exterminated with extreme prejudice, preferably with a ray gun that vaporizes you. And then <laughs> and it doesn't only just vaporize you from existence. It vaporizes the memories of <laughs> everyone in the collective consciousness. <laughs> so you were never to have existed before. OK. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's subtle, but I like it. Like, well, I hate I hate people at because I go to a lot of because I've been involved in movies for a while. I hate going to screenings at festivals where there's always inevitably one drunk asshole that's there that thinks he's a comedian and just keeps heckling the movie the whole time. And everyone's just like, just shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. So if if there was a technology that could just vaporize that guy from existence, I'm down with it. Oh man, um, yeah. When you, when you def- like, I was already on board with this, but the way that you uh, shed light on it just now reminds me of a few times when that's happened. And fuck, Parker, what was the, what was that movie from Corngorn last year? Um, the Killjoy of the entire thing. Oh, the Entity. Yeah. Oh boy, the r- ghost rape movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and and talk about like just jumping right into it. Like that movie pulls no punches for as as weird of a concept it is. It's still horrifying to watch and very upsetting and traumatizing. And some dude in the front row, don't know if he was drunk, but he was trying to, you know, make with the yuckamups and try to rip this movie while this woman's like just being assaulted constantly. And that's when somebody's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, we're, all, we're all sitting through this, so please stop. And this guy was just trying his damnedest. Yeah, I'm telling if, you, the ray gun. Yeah, yeah man, that, that's a pretty good idea. That would have worked. Yeah, that one guy trying to liven it up, he he didn't read the room oh. correctly. No, people he were, really did not. People not he was wearing this. a fedora for the entire evening, so I, I think that may have had something to do with it. That's yeah. true. I think he shouted something about like the titties at one point. <laughs> it's just like we don't need this. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> you don't need to shout about the titties during he this was, kind of movie. He was yeah, not reading the room correctly, I think it was more of that guy's problem. It's not like he was all boozed up or something, but he was uh Yow. What room would that work correctly in? Maybe like a jail? Like where, (laughs) what room would you be able to walk into where a rape movie is happening and you can compliment the titties in the movie? Yeah, I don't know. In 20s, definitely not anywhere I can think of in 2017. If somebody else knows, I don't want to know of it because it sounds awful. Well, um, law number two, if you go to a concert and you hold your phone up for, for more than a picture or 10 seconds of video, the phone will secrete a corrosive acid that will turn your hands into goo instantaneously and also make you impotent and infertile. 
I I I go to so many concerts. This I'm being a little harsh here about certain things, but I go to so many concerts where I usually go up to the, the front couple rows or maybe like 10 rows back, like these general admission concerts. And it's nothing. The moment a band comes on for the first three songs, you can't see shit because it's all these jackasses with these huge, humongous phones now just filming the concert. And I've gotten to a point now where it's uh, I'm triggered. <laughs> I just I want to start slapping phones out of people's hands. So if there's the technology out there, I think. Apple, this should be in your next update, maybe the 10X or the XS or whatever you're going to call it. Um, start implementing this feature where if you're at a concert, it detects it and just this corrosive acid starts burning people's hands and turning them into like melted goo. I would love that. I think that would be great. I, I actually uh, went to a Goblin concert the other day and there was like everybody was like really respectful. Like, I mean, it was like kind of older people and stuff. So like clearly like they you know, didn't need to record everything with their phones the way that like the youngsters do. But there's one dickhead like right in front of me recording the entire concert. And it's like, come on, dude, just get like 10 seconds of each song and you'll be fine. And then like his low, like <laughs> I had no choice but to watch the concert through his phone a lot of the time. Exactly. That's half of the problem. Yeah. And then like I got real excited at one point because like his low battery notification came on and I was like, yeah, all right, it's almost over. But then like. I don't know what kind of great ass phone he's got because it kept going and going the whole rest of the concert. So I was pretty bummed <laughs> out. But uh, other than that, everybody was pretty good. But yeah, I don't like these people uh, like that because that's a problem. Like your eyes just I don't know what it is about phones, but your eyes just go to the phone instinctively. So you yeah. have no choice but to watch the concert through the phones. Yeah, that is absolutely the worst. Speaking of a goblin concert, um, the, I went to one where Zombie opened up for him in Milwaukee and um, because I'm from Wisconsin. So it's like one of the biggest places where someone like Goblin would actually come through. There was a guy that was like <laughs> a bootleg Ronnie James Dio <laughs> with a backpack in the front row filming on an iPod, like an old school iPod mini. Whoa. And okay. I could not get over it. I, I was hypnotized. I stopped watching the concert because I'm like, how is this possible? <laughs> how is this happening? How is he watching this? What is he doing with this video? That's some weird reverse retro futurist stuff that you'd find like it from It Follows. I imagine this guy also has like a shell compact that has books on it. it just it's a weird thing to be pulling out an iPod for filming this like it's we're way beyond that point right i don't know because i every time i go to concerts i see somebody this is your listeners are gonna i i won't have any credibility after i say this but i don't give a, a rat's ass i'm gonna say it anyway i went to um like one of these town festivals um in madison wisconsin where they had a bunch of bands playing and whatnot and Kip Winger was playing <laughs> and a buddy of mine and I got a beer, went up to go watch it. And this guy had a flip phone and he was filming the concert, this acoustic one man Kip Winger concert on a flip phone. Hmm. I, I keep <laughs> running into these people everywhere. <laughs> what is that guy going to do with this seven megabyte file that he's recorded? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he could turn them into gifts. I don't know what he can do. That's wild. 
so I do have one well, question about this one though. Like, yes. does it matter the elevation of it? Like, what if they held it? <laughs> what if they held it like close to their chest so they can only they could see it? You know. Um, I think if it's yeah, I think it has to be you in order. It's kind of like one of these things where, like, on my iPhone, you have your thumbprint. And it yeah. opens it up for you. I think you, when you start up the phone, you first get it. You have to enter in certain criteria, like how high you are, or like how tall you are, so that the app, the the restriction, <laughs> will know if you're holding it above your head for a certain amount of time, and it hears l- music over a certain decibel range. It immediately starts leaking this acid over yeah. over people. It just knows. And plus, because it. of the GPS. It knows there's a concert going on there. So, I mean, we're in a wonderful age, Jason Frisbee, where our phones know everything. <laughs> where they can pour corrosive acid onto us. <laughs> it's a beautiful world. It's a lovely world. Lovely. Yeah. I'm uh, into it. What's your next one? Uh, my next one's sort of similar. <laughs> there's a lot of extermination going on in uh, in my uh, New World Order, but... um. Uh, number number three would be if you're caught taking a selfie by yourself in public, you're also vaporized <laughs> on the spot, especially if you're taking multiple selfies it just by yourself. Like, say you're by a monument or you're or just in the middle of the road or at a bar. You're just taking all these selfies by yourself. Um, not only are you vaporized, but you and your social media accounts are vaporized from existence immediately. Like somehow it knows that you're you're taking these for Instagram or you're taking these for Facebook or for Twitter or whatever. And immediately just wipes out all of those accounts. So you and corrupts all those files. So nobody will know <laughs> that you were taking these selfies. I hate I don't know about you guys, but I run into these people all the time that are just like if you're in a big city, you just run into these people where they're just taking taking selfies of themselves, making the stupidest faces all the time. And it just, it makes my soul or my heart just cry a single solitary tear every time I see it. I hear you, man. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's weirdly upsetting to me that people would be like that. And I, I don't know what that says about me as a person. Cause I'm just like, how could these people be so into themselves? They suck. <laughs> Where it's like, I'm not like that. Um, but you're saying that people are doing like group photos and stuff. It's totally okay. Well, I guess for this law, that would have to be a, uh, addendum to the law if, if it got to that point. But, uh, I think we can, we can start off with, uh, people. I think if you, it's just a single person that will have a rippling effect towards the rest of society. So I think Mm. let's just start off with this. And then if it gets really, really bad where people are just nonstop taking selfies in groups, then yeah, yeah, they're eliminated as well. Yeah. I can't imagine taking selfies of myself. Parker, what about you? Are you that kind of guy? I haven't seen you take many selfies. Uh, no, I don't really take selfies a lot. One time I took a selfie with Shelby. That was about as yeah. far as my shelf, my uh, my selfie life has gone, and I really only that did was it like five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, he, he takes them all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I only took that selfie just because like Shelby's name rhymes with selfie, and I thought it would be cute. Other than that, I don't really, I don't indulge. I've got a selfie stick. I was gifted one. Oh yeah, and I've I've yet to use it. 
You should um, you should use it kind of like a cane, like like Daredevil uses his cane to to kick people's asses. You just have that, and you just take it out and start kicking people's asses with it, and say, "Hey, I'm blind, man. I'm trained in jujitsu." Also, t- take a photo with me. <laughs> but but you have to be with me. I can't take it by myself. Otherwise, I'm vaporized from existence. Yeah. So that that's the entire gimmick. Then it's like a Daredevil character. Who beats the shit out of people with the selfie stick to only use the selfie stick later to take photos with the the fallen victims of his beatings? <laughs> that's that's the angle to get around this whole loophole. So you have to at least have another person in the selfie, otherwise yeah. you're vaporized. So this is a good gimmick. I like this. Yeah. Um. So I guess the last law I would enact um, would be everyone would would have the ability to have like a microchip or an earbud implanted into them that would allow them if they're in public and somebody just starts arbitrarily talking to them and they you don't want to talk to that person that you can mute them completely it's almost like they're not there kind of like on your facebook timeline Mm -hmm. where you can just like hide people and they just kind of go away this would be something where you just it kind of almost like Google Glass, where if you it's an augmented reality where all of a sudden you <laughs> click on something and that person not only audibly is gone, but visually they're also gone. They It's almost like they're not there. So you can just keep going on in your own little insular world and not have to deal with people you don't want to deal with. That sounds perfect. I would be too afraid that I would like do that to too many people. And then, like, I would just, like, accidentally masturbate in front of one of them at some point. Like... <laughs> Heavy quotes around accidentally. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't know that they were there. I would just forget that they were Look there. Look at Louis C.K. over here. <laughs> Maybe that's what he's what his deal is. He just forgot that he, <laughs> he muted has, all those he, He's from the future, Parker. He has this technology already. People yeah. have been saying he's way ahead of his time. So yeah. that's probably what it is. <laughs> he, just, he just forgot he muted all those, all of those uh, employees of his or whatever they were. Well, there's there's a loophole. I didn't even think of this. This is problematic, Parker. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like this could go a bad way. Or this could be an excellent uh, episode of Black Mirror for season four or five, whatever it's on. That's true. Like, how do you remember who all you muted? How do you keep track of them? How do you keep? Where do you masturbate? Yeah. How do you know if you're ever truly in a room alone? Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. been <laughs> I've been worried about masturbating in front of ghosts for a long time. And now with this new technology, it'll be real people. Everybody just masturbates under blankets now in a closet. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. You've muted your roommate. So then you're just too comfortable around the apartment. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. <laughs> what are you doing under that blanket? Why is it shaking so much? <laughs> I'm just real angry. That's all. <laughs> that's a good excuse. Oh, that's a good gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really angry and cold under here. Leave me alone. <laughs> Why are you watching porn at the same time? This <laughs> porno makes me angry. It makes me warm. These pornos are making me angry. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, this is Shelby and Carlos with the Poopcast Town News. Um, you might hear Rambo and Bootsy playing in the background. Carlos, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay, good. I was going to check and see if there's any update updates in the, uh, the world of poop, uh, since this is the Poopcast Town News. Um, remember that, that idea for a uh, phone? game that we came up with? Yeah, Turds with Friends. Turds with Friends, yeah. How, was, how did that game work? Well, technically, the point of the game, or the object of the game, is to uh, um, trap your opponents with poop. With turds, right? Yeah, and imprison them so they can't move a muscle. Right. Yeah, well, hopefully that'll be on the market by early 2018. We'll get that finished up and, mm-hmm. and get it out there on the uh, iTunes uh, apps, app store, all that stuff. Um, can you tell me about the time that you peed in a display toilet? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, Except tell me about it. Mom. Where was it? It was at a... Uh, uh, oh, man, those dogs are freaking out. Is it yeah. like a, a hardware store, a home furnishing yeah, it was, store? Yeah, it was a home furnishing store. How old were you when it happened? I was like three, and I really had to pee. That rhymed. You were three, and you really had to pee. Yeah. Nice. And so I went. You just whipped out your little I your whipped little out little my winky. dick yeah. and went in a display toilet. Nice. Don't ask me why. I just had to piss. Well, it was a toilet, yeah. Yeah. Did you want... One more thing. Did you want to tell me about the time you pooped in your yard? Mm, Sure. Well, I really had to go, and I couldn't make it to my house. So I whipped out my ass and took a nice shit in my yard. Nice. And my dog ate the shit, so... Your dog ate the shit? Wow. Yeah. Well, that's been your Poopcast Town news for the week. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Mm. Wayne is a piece of shit. Thank you, Carlos. You're welcome. All right, have a good one. Okay. We are here uh, deeply after Halloween to talk about some more episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Everybody's favorite scary kids show. Our favorite scary kids show at the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there are some eerie Indiana fans out there. Who knows about them? But uh, we, oh, love, yeah. we love Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, last episode, we kicked off season five. Uh, now we're getting deeper into season five. This is the fifth. We're doing the fifth and sixth episodes of season five here. Uh, we're not going to go... Too crazy, since we also have a good, the bad, and the ugly coming up. But uh, this uh, this starts out with an episode called "The Tale of the Chameleons," which doesn't sound immediately scary. But I'll uh, I'll run down the plot here. Actually, first, uh, Derek, you told me that you've never seen this show before, so uh, I just kind of want to get your like impressions of it. Like, why did you never watch it? And uh, and I guess why did you never watch it? That's it. I feel like... <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> Explain yourself. I feel as a as a horrors fan, this uh, this should have been required viewing. Well, I think it was past my time. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, gents. So I think this just kind of came out after I wasn't really watching Nickelodeon anymore. So I just never saw it, and. Uh, 
it's totally along the line because I have three daughters, so we watch Goosebumps and stuff like that, and yeah. we we've just never gotten around to watching this. So now after watching these two, I I think these are this is a show that I'll definitely show them. I mean, it's right up their alley, same kind of things. I just I was uh, kind of taken aside by because I I'm jumping into season five here, <laughs> so yeah. I didn't get like contextually how the show was set up. So when it starts with the kids you know, going by the campfire and whatnot. I thought that was the, sh- like the story. I'm like, Oh wait, no, this is like the wraparound. What, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Like, I, I feel like I, I watched the show a lot as a kid, but I dropped off like season two before I stopped or three or something before I like was kind of too old for it. So I understand that. But yeah, so the plot of this episode is after Janice is bitten by a chameleon at the local pet store. Uh, it follows her and her friend Sharon home. The chameleon, played by an iguana. Um, yeah, clearly an iguana, not a chameleon. Oh, they got me so mad. I was yeah. pissed at that. It's it's like when uh, like they painted John Wayne's face brown and made him like play a Mongolian. This is kind of <laughs> he's what playing yeah. mo- uh, iguana face. Yeah, iguana face is no good. Uh, very very offensive nowadays. Uh, following <laughs> the saying among chameleons, uh, here's the saying: "Bite you once, bite you twice." A little water, pay the price. Uh, it seems as if a chameleon bites you uh, twice and then water touches you. You switch places with the creature. This is a very convoluted episode. However, Janice's friend grows suspicious and it's up to her to stop it. Um, it should be said that Janice and her evil chameleon doppelganger are played by Tia and Tamara Mowry, who I have a long history with. I don't know if you remember my history with these girls, Mr. Frisbee. It was a long time ago. No idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks to Jesse P.S., it's on YouTube forever, my history with these ladies, which is to say they were the stars of a show called Sister, Sister, and uh, the first time I ever ejaculated, I was masturbating to that TV show because I had a crush on them. You should have, you should have been under a blanket when I you should, told yeah. that story. <laughs> I, I, it just, Old and angry. It just made me so angry and cold. Um, so what do you guys think about this episode and how mad were you about this iguana face situation (laughs) the iguana face really got me going like immediately I knew when they they showed the the iguana and the the episode was called tale of the chameleon as soon as they show that and that that one kid the, the ginger that has his hair looks like a wig (laughs) <laughs> and he's he's the kind of creepy kid that just takes gum and puts it into a fish tank. But the minute the minute they started walking over to the iguana tank, I knew he's going to call this a chameleon and I'm I'm going to call bullshit <laughs> immediately because I had an iguana. I I had one for a really long time and it looked just like that. I'm like, you're not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes with this. That's not a fucking chameleon. And I bet you the reason why they used an iguana instead because chameleons don't do shit. Yeah, they're slow mm-hmm. as hell. Like an iguana will just slap across the floor as this episode dictates it. But uh, yeah, chameleons are just very slow. They got that cool uh, independent eye movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's about it. If you're looking for something to bite you, yeah, iguanas bite the fuck out of people. I think there's that weird poem by Lorca where he talks about the severity of an iguana's bite. So yeah, they could just call this like bite of the iguana or something like that. But 
it would have gone well with the the um, body snatching part of this uh, story. So, like, a chameleon obviously takes on its surroundings. So, yeah, if a chameleon did bite somebody, okay, sure, we can kind of stretch our imaginations to believe that they would take on that person that they bit. I mean, I'm, it's still kind of dumb. Like, what do you think of the episode otherwise? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, outside of this stupid setup where it's like a chameleon in a pet store, like, I mean, is this supposed to be like a new species of chameleon with magical powers or do all chameleons like just inherently have magical powers and they've never used them before now? I think it's just that one. Well, like a curse or something like that. Well, but she tells when she's a human, she tells her like good twin that like that this is happening everywhere. Oh, right, she's got a box of them. Box of iguanas or chameleons. Yeah. So I feel like it's like a like a a strategized out, like uh pre-thought out attack on humanity. So I, I don't it's very convoluted and weird. But outside of that, I think it's really good. I mean it's not an episode about a shitty ghost that needs to find its long lost love to uh get eternal peace, like every other episode we've talked about lately. So uh I'm into it just for that. Um, this one, well, yeah, that is cool that they finally broke that mold of like the lame ghost story and the ending, too. I want to get to the ending as well, because uh, that's kind of different from the usual fare. But also, I feel like that this episode, since this was like pre sister sister, I think. Right. I think so. Yeah. Or maybe like, like this right e- around this time. Okay. If it is around that same time, then the episode loses a lot of luster because you're just like, hey, it's the Maori twins. <laughs> Why are they pissed at each other? They're not. That's not how twins work. So I think that's it. Like if you had never encountered twins before in your life, then this episode could be terrifying. Otherwise, it's like it feels like um, identical cousins or something like that. Like I just kept seeing the Maori twins interacting with each other. Except when one of them is like wielding a butcher knife. That was pretty wild. Yeah, that was pretty intense. Like, yeah, the fact that like there's like a lot like one of them threatens to stab the other like with um, in iguana form with scissors. And then like they put like in iguana form, one of them goes down into a garbage disposal. Like this is like a fairly violent episode for the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the thing that really stood out for me in this episode was um, the dad who would, I, I envision that's what happened to Urkel when he grew up is, uh, mm-hmm. he just had the worst outfits and his lines, like every single line that he said just made me giggle the entire time. Like when, uh, the chameleon, uh, turns into the daughter and when there's the body flip and all of a sudden she starts, uh, you know, conforming with everything the parents want to do. And the dad go, looks to the mom and says, I told you it was just a phase. No dad ever has said that. <laughs> not, not one ever in the existence. It, it, there was once that was one line that was really problematic to me was when um, the daughter agrees to go to a dance or something like that in this um, really tight, like peach colored dress. He goes, wow, you look fantastic. And then he looks at the mom and says, I'm feeling really creative after seeing his daughter in this tight dress. <laughs> and I thought 
like, boy, I'm very conflicted on how to feel about this right now. I think creative is definitely a good uh, euphemism for for uh, feeling randy, as the British would call it. Um, a weird thing that kind of happens in this that I feel like is on the other end of the spectrum as this dad feeling creative all of a sudden after seeing his daughter in a thing <laughs> is the fact that this girl shares gives you a boner. <laughs> it gives you a boner. Uh, is the fact that this girl um, is spending the night with with the girl who turns into a lizard, or spending the weekend with her, but yet she sleeps in a different room, and like that's like I've had like a lot of sleepovers when I was this age, like with my friends and stuff. No one ever slept in a different room. Like this, this is kind of weird. Like is this like a, a situation you guys think where like uh, you weren't a, like like in Psycho, like before Psycho, you weren't allowed to show a toilet flush. Like is this one of those things where like. <laughs> Just no one before, like, no, like you just couldn't show two girls having a sleepover on a TV show, or is this like a weird family, or what did you like? Did you guys even notice this? I was, yeah, I, I was thinking maybe this is a really progressive show, and maybe they're very young lovers <laughs> from an early age or something. But that was very weird. Never, ever in my life, when I had sleepovers when I was younger, did I have to go in a separate room than my friend to sleep? Yeah. I found that very weird. Maybe Canadians do it differently. If you're Canadian and you listen, let us know if you guys were not allowed to sleep in the same room. They do have that weird process for uh, pouring milk into anything. You have to get like the bag of milk and oh, put yeah. that into yeah into the uh, carafe, and then you pour it that way. That's for creeps. That's that's <laughs> the weirdest shit, man. I first saw that in like kids in the hall during that Belle Biv DeVoe sketch. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was like, I thought that was part of the joke, but they were just so nonchalant about that. I was like, is that real? That's got to be real. Is it? So, yeah, maybe things are different there. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, but to get to the end of this episode, like you were hinting at Frisbee, this episode is different from a lot of the episodes, especially recently. Season one was kind of had a few darker episodes like this, but uh, the bad guys win. And not only do the bad guys win, but the bad guys trick Sharon into murdering her friend at the end. And yeah, this is real dark and cool. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, that was creepy as fuck. That was really good because they they didn't like shy away from it. It's like, oh, looks like I forgot one iguana. Hope she knows how to swim forever in this well. That was cruel as fuck. I wasn't expecting that at all. That's usually not the norm. Uh, or that's that's not the norm for this show. Like there would be some cheerful ending, or she would have gotten the right friend. But I think with these like um, choose the right one type endings, like in the copycat format, that's or like the clone format, it has to end like this, right? Like if it's a horror story, there was no other out. They could have just been like, and Sharon picked the right version of her friend, and all was well. Like, even for a kid's show, it's like, no, I mean, you'll never know for sure. In this case, we're just going to, like, pour salt in the wound. Yeah, that, and I mean, I think that this season's kind of darker than the past few. Like, I feel like the first season was pretty dark for a kid's show, and then it kind of petered out, and you got a lot of happy endings and stuff. But between yeah. the tale of the dead man's float with that scary-ass fucking zombie and the tale of Station 109.1, where a kid fucking dies and almost goes to hell like <laughs> not to mention that ryan gosling is in that episode that's how you know the season's gonna be like real brooding is when ryan gosling shows up yeah this is the uh only god forgives season of yeah, the yeah decent decent 
<laughs> I'll have to check that one out. <laughs> it's got uh, Gilbert Gottfried in it too. Yeah. Oh, now I'll, immediately I don't want to check it out. Oh, that's oh. a good episode. <laughs> uh, the next only episode. if he's using the voice towards Ryan Gosling, he's he's being completely obnoxiously loud at Ryan Gosling the whole time. It's fucked up because he has different voices. Like he's got the he's got that one towards. Well, kind of towards Ryan Gosling, mostly towards his brother in the show. But but it is like other voices. They were just like, that's Gilbert Gottfried. That doesn't. I'm still not convinced that was him. Well, I like how on uh, Ilkhan a few weeks back, he broke. Uh, Corey got him to break kayfabe on his on the interview they had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. I like that. He picked up and for the first few minutes, he was just a normal dude. But that's the kind of interviewer that Corey is. Anytime I call into Ilkhan, I'm just like a normal ass dude for the, you know, (laughs) I always forget to stay in character when I call in. (laughs) What is what is your normal ass dude voice, Parker? My normal ass dude voice is like it's like uh, like, Oi, Corey, this is me. (laughs) This is me, Parker, your friend like that. He also says Randy a lot more. I don't know what the fuck that was about. I'm just like straight up British in my normal life. And then when I record yep. JFD and uh, Pool Party, I turn into whatever this is. Uh, it, yeah, that seems he, plausible. Before he signs on, he's playing like Hail uh, Britannia on an old Victrola. <laughs> and then he has to turn that off and put away his like fish and chips in and stop tea. playing. Yeah, and his tea and stop playing darts. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, just, <laughs> just kind you're of a multitasker. You have a lot going on all the time. That's true. And I'm just constantly like oppressing Indian people and Scottish people. That's <laughs> another. You're playing into. Iron Maiden in the background all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing I'm into in my my daily life. Um. So, yeah. So this next episode, uh, season five, episode six, uh, is called The Tale of the Prisoner's Past. Uh, Scott and his stepbrother Jason hate each other and can't seem to get along. After fighting on their school field trip to a famous prison, they accidentally release the spirit of One-Eyed Jack, an ex-prisoner who died many years ago, which follows them home. They finally have to learn to cooperate in order to uh, get the ghost to rest in peace. Uh, This episode is cool because it stars the nerdy kid from Step by Step. And uh, I really liked that show when I was a kid. So I was excited to see him. I'm a big fan. Playing, playing a condensed version of that same character because they set this up by saying like, this character, his name is also Jason, which I kind of both enjoyed and hated at the same time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jason's mom married uh, the father of the school jock, Scott. And it's basically step by step. Just on like one tenth the scale, right? Yeah, pretty much. Instead of like thirty kids or however many kids were on that show, it's just the two kids. Yeah, just two. Yeah. Plus a ghost. <laughs> With a really shitty beard. Yeah, that beard yeah, that was, was bad. A, that was the worst. Yeah. So so this episode starts out. They're on their field trip, and then the bully brother, like he he bullies the nerdy kid Jason into uh buying him a souvenir shirt while on a school field trip. And I feel like that's like the least cool thing a bully can ever do. Yeah. I was just this like, this entire what? thing was, was just played out as like the most uncool bully because he does that. It doesn't pay him. And then 
when Jason confronts him about it, Scott says, listen, all I got is a 10 on me. Now, do you want to try to take it from me or not? Like tauntingly. And Jason does and runs away. And Scott gets angry because he just did the thing that he told him to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then later on, he's like very afraid of a mouse. He's like kind of the weakest bully in the history of the show. (laughs) Well, he is a guy that calls himself the great tough one. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. That's a weird name. Yeah. This this kid's full of problems. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but also, what do you think of that fucking tour of the of the jail? Weren't there like an obscene amount of kids just touring and having a blast in a place where misery happens? Yeah, that was that was really problematic. I just love the fact that there was a dude selling shirts on the jail tour like styles from Team Wolf, just like as a little concession <laughs> stand, just hawking all these shirts. Yeah, yeah, like, probably where know. a guy was shivved like only thirty years prior. He's like, this is a good place to set up shop. And he dresses like goofy convict style with like the stripes, the black and white stripes, like the Hamburglar. Or I guess like a real ass convict from a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think that guy like worked in the gift shop. Like, I think he was just there with his bootleg <laughs> shirt set up. Like <laughs> when you go to an Iron Maiden concert. Uh, the sh- and the shirts were only $5, which is definitely bootleg prices. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Those those are only to make it through like two wash cycles before tearing apart. Yeah, yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. So, so after and they said like I survived on it, which again, kind of kind of lame. Uh, yeah, it's kind of lame. But then at the end, like he wears it at the end of the episode and like it's kind of cool because he did survive. Like, so I thought that was kind That's of true. Yeah, that, that was good. I like that wrap up. Yeah. Uh, so these kids leave like they see like a ghost or something and then they leave and then uh, the ghost follows them home, which uh, it's kind of a scary moment. Like they, like they kind of subvert, like they kind of set it up. Like this is going to be spooky once they're home. And then like, uh, it's not spooky. And then they pull the old switcheroo and they get you with like a, a window jump scare that I thought was pretty cool. Were you guys spooked out about this? Were you scared? Like I was, I mean, not scared, but it was, it was an interesting <laughs> moment. Like <laughs> again, something like this happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was some element of danger. Like that goes pulls on that kid's uh, collar as if to like pull him out of the window, the second story window. And his big bro comes over or his uh, step-by-step bro comes over to help him and prevent him from falling. The parents don't believe them, of course, course. but then they try to find some resolve afterwards. And Scott being, uh, what does he call himself? Number one tough guy. The great tough one. Mm -hmm. The great tough one (laughs) suggests that they have to defend themselves Using foam baseball bats, which I thought was uh, kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, take this if you think you're man enough. It's like, well, nah, that's that's probably not going to do it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. More evidence that this kid's like the least tough, like bully on this in the show's history is to, let's fight this ghost with a Nerf baseball bat. Let's get him. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they go back. Uh, to the jail because they need to like set the ghost free and blah blah blah, and they they get locked in his cell, this guy's cell who apparently escaped, and and is a ghost, and they discover that the toilet is actually not connected to anything, and there's a hole in the wall right behind it. So was this dude in his jail cell like, was he just pooping into thin air the whole time, like? <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a ghost. It was an Ikea toilet. It's like when Ikea tells you not to poop in their toilets because they're for display. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was like in the model uh, cell. Yeah, I cannot imagine. Like, I mean, it must have taken him a long time to like <laughs> dig a hole into the wall. Like, I mean, he had to hold that poop in for a very long time because there's no plumbing. But so that seems really gross. And then. So the kids go through the hole and then they find this skeleton with an eye patch. And then the ghost shows up, the ghost with the eye patch, and he's like, Hey, you found my body. And then the kids are like, That was you? <laughs> <laughs> the thing that looks exactly like you, except dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even like they talk at this Jason character, like he's supposed to be like this really smart kid like a president of the chess club and all this straight a student but even he's just like wait a second eye patch and you've got an eye patch it's like come on yeah and then like the ghost is like hey you got to tell my daughter you know that you found my body and all this and uh they're like oh she'll never believe us but it's like why not you just like you have literal physical proof like just take just drag the body to your daughter's house. You wouldn't be cool with that. <laughs> yeah, just take the body and leave it on the doorstep. It'll be fine. <laughs> and, and run away. That's, that's the thing. It's like, just to go back really quick, they try getting some information from the uh, daughter who's still around. And according to a 1946 article, has lived at the same residence for, eh, you know, 50 years, which is, you know, neither here nor there. And when they come to the door asking about One-Eyed Jack, and they're genuinely trying to get information, she's like, oh, you're another one of those kids, aren't you? You have like an eye patch that you want to wear? Make fun of me? It's like, what the fuck are people doing? Being like, hey, heard your dad's dead. They look like this. <laughs> and like yeah, trying to a lot of dicks out shit. there. Yeah, Canada is just full of real jerks, if that's the case. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. But instead, they they find a photo in the corpse's pocket. Um, and I don't know how these geniuses figured out that it was a photo of One-Eyed Jack, considering the leaps and bounds they had to make to connect the corpse to the ghost. But <laughs> it is, in fact, a photo of One-Eyed Jack <laughs> and his uh, daughter. So they take that to her, and she's extremely thankful that they've brought, in some, they've brought some peace to her troubled mind. Yeah. And then the nerdy kid gets his $5 back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that wraps up that ghost story. I would say this ghost story is better than a lot of the ghost stories we've been getting recently. Yeah. But still, yeah. just a ghost story. Oh man, I thought this episode was super weak. Like <laughs> the only thing that I remember, there's two things that I remember, and had nothing to do with the story. They were completely about the wraparound, where where this one boy is wringing out a sock, and he insinuates that he kind of stepped in a big puddle of piss. Yeah, yeah, I didn't understand what that was about at all. I'm like, what pisses that much in the woods? <laughs> Ring it out. <laughs> and then there was an at the end. Um, there was like this; these two brothers hand each other tickets. And he's like, "Oh, what are these? Oh, it's Tallapalooza. These are hard to get." Um, no, they weren't hard to get. <laughs> I actually lived through that. Um, you could get Lollapalooza tickets very easily. But I went and I looked because for some reason this was far more interesting than anything that happened in the episode. I went onto Wiki to see who was playing Lollapalooza that year. 
And I can guarantee you these tickets weren't hard to get because it was a bunch of kind of underground bands that I would have I like Sonic Youth played the Jesus Lizard, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, <laughs> um, Blonde Redhead, uh, Patti Smith. I mean, all of these Yola Tango. You could have you. These tickets were probably falling from the sky. You <laughs> so they aren't that tough to get. But if some preteen sucker is like, how do I get these tickets? And somebody with like a mass of tickets says, well, I got a few here for you, but it's going to cost you. You know, that's probably uh, how it went down. Probably yeah, how it went down. That could be. I think that I actually won tickets from the radio to Lollapalooza this year, and I just didn't go. So I was like, oh, who wants to no. see Yola Tango and Sonic Youth? <laughs> I'll skip it, even with my free tickets. Thank you. I'm not going to regret this ever. <laughs> no, I, I, that's Only the, every day of your life afterward. I would, what? I would, hate to, I would still hate to see Sonic Youth. What are you guys talking about? I'm, I made the right choice. <laughs> What about the Boss Tones? You like Scott, don't you? That, I would have liked to see the Boss Tones. First couple of Boss Tones albums still hold up. But uh, I don't want to sit through Yola Tango to get the, to the Boss Tones. All that sad stuff. All that crying. All that. Uh, <laughs> that's right up your alley, too. You love Morrissey. <laughs> well, I do like. Well, yeah, that's true. Did you hear about his uh, him canceling a concert in California like this week because it, it was too cold in the theater? Uh, you know, I never would have, I never would have guessed that Morrissey would cancel a show like midway through a tour, but I guess, yeah. Uh, maybe he doesn't need money anymore. I would assume. He doesn't. Well, I mean, it's not even that, like he, you're, you can't get refunds. <laughs> like a bunch of people I know are like real mad about it. Like you can't get refunds to the show. So, uh, he took the money. He still needs the money, but he's not going to play. He's a real jerk. That's. I mean, this happens every fucking year. And like, I don't know why people would be surprised. It's just <laughs> fool me once. Shame on me. Or no, shame on you. I forget that saying. Well, Whatever. If, Morrissey doesn't give a shit. That's if, the other part of the saying. If Morrissey fools you once, a fool can't get fooled again. Frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> That's an ancient edict. I mean, it's well known. <laughs> That's right. Who was that? George W. Yeah, I think. OK, cool. Back when politicians were funny, not dangerous. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but what do you think about uh, Tucker giving Gary these tickets? Only watch Gary and uh, Samantha walk away. Yeah. Have he, a good time. He said, despite the fact that I have, <laughs> that Samantha is my loved one. I want you <laughs> to take her to Lollapalooza, Gary. I want you to show her a good time. <laughs> I'll be gotta, I'll be he's not a cuckold at all. <laughs> you got to take it for himself to watch from the balcony to make sure that they're having fun. Yeah, he said I'll he said here, you I got you guys the VIP tickets. I'll be in general admission. Got my eyes on you. Just going to watch. He, he asked the venue if there was a <laughs> if there was a closet nearby. <laughs> yeah, he said I need a blanket. I'm going to be very cold and angry. <laughs> I just want to watch from afar. <laughs> Uh, so that was a good episode for that part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it wrapped up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. With the severe cuckolding. Yeah, uh, but these were pretty good. I enjoyed these. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, these were these were pretty good. I felt the chameleon one most of all. Uh, so how did you how did you feel about these, Derek? You think you're going to revisit some more of these? You think you're going to get into this show? Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, show these to the girls and see what they think. I bet you they'll like them. And these aren't as obnoxious as the vast majority of like the modern Nickelodeon shows that are out there that are so obnoxious you just want to kind of like put your head under a tire and have somebody you know press the gas. Mm-hmm. So. I'll definitely I, I I've watched some really between the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon, the shows they put out for like preteens and stuff. Just oh, oh, bad. So bad. But yeah, no, this was cool. I didn't even though I said there wasn't a whole lot that happened in the second episode. I still enjoyed it. I mean, it's only 24 minutes long, so it breezes by pretty quick. Yeah, that was kind of a subpar episode. I still I retain the season one is like pretty much all bangers. If I remember correctly, so. Ooh. Mm. Um, but yeah, so now let's get into a good, the bad, and the ugly. We are, this is the segment of the show where we take a topic and we do good examples, bad examples, ugly examples. Oh my God, LeBron James just fell. He's he's hurt. Oh my God. Anyways, all right. Sorry. <laughs> we the game That's on. a bad example of how to segue into this segment. It's a bad example of how to host a podcast is to watch the Cavs game in the background with the volume off. <laughs> Um, we, we give the good examples, bad examples, ugly examples, and, uh, this week we are doing, in honor of the fact that, uh, episode 300 may or may not be the last episode of Pool Party Radio, we're gonna do endings of things, whether those be, uh, TV shows, movies, books, I think all of mine are movies, actually. Um, oh no. Okay, I got some shows in here, so that makes me happy, or diversified a bit. Excellent. Actually, yeah, I got one TV show, actually, and two movies, so... Uh, and I just don't read books. I've never read a book. Never going to start. So I don't have any of those. Stay strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Resist. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah. So as our guest, Derek, would you like to go first with your good of endings? Well, I my first one for the good is it's kind of a basic bitch pick because um, I just watched it. this. I just moved into um, a, a new house this last week and I don't have any Internet there. So the only thing I have to watch are like this huge wall of DVDs that I've amassed that are basically just taking up space now. So I watched uh, as kind of like a housewarming thing while I'm cleaning and organizing stuff. I had uh, Evil Dead 2 on and uh, I've always thought the end to Evil Dead 2. uh, Spoiler alert. Are we doing any of that? Because these are all (laughs) endings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, No, I'll do that. Yeah. (laughs) A good point. These are all spoilers <laughs> going forward, so if you have problems, I don't know. I don't have to tell you. But uh, the whole ending where he vanquishes the evil and then goes back in time, I've always thought that's one of the greatest endings to anything ever. And uh, all these years later, I've seen this movie, I, I don't know, countless number of times. I still find it super funny and super fun so the ending to evil dead 2 where basically a guy the entire movie gets shit on and then has the ultimate middle finger laid to him perfect i love it love the ending of evil dead 2 yeah i agree pretty much uh perfect like yeah it's uh it's great they set it up great with that picture in the necronomicon at that one point and you're like what's this about and especially uh as a little kid where you don't understand what foreshadowing is um Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, it's just perfect. Like, I mean, yeah, he's uh, such a shit on hero. And that's what makes him great is that even when he wins, he has to fucking <laughs> he has to go back in time and uh, keep fighting. Yeah, it's wonderful. A perfect movie, I would say. Better than Alien, some would say. Uh, oh, boy. The, the Evil Dead movie. This is, this is getting problematic right away. <laughs> <laughs> would you disagree with that statement? For for your sake, Parker, I'll, I'll agree with it. I appreciate that. Me and Sean were arguing about it on on the newest Junk Fod show. Well, let me ask you this: justifiable. Let me ask you this though: Is that guy from the Avengers in Evil Dead Two? Uh, no, sadly, he's an alien though. Uh, yeah. Who well, are we talking about? Dean uh, Stanton. Yeah. Oh yes. I mean that guy from the Avengers. The guy everyone knows as the guy from the Avengers. <laughs> Who the fuck was he in the Avengers? Uh, he was like a janitor okay. or something for two seconds. Was he? Yeah. Was he just like at a bar? Or hey, he was out. They might. They were filming that day, and he just happened to be in town smoking a cigarette, walking down the street. I think probably. So. <laughs> but he was at like a. He was managing like some sort of trash heap. This junk pile that uh, the Hulk landed in. Ah. Uh. Turned back into Bruce Banner. It and was, he says something in a very Herodine Stanton way, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That was my Herodine Stanton impression. <laughs> it was pretty good. Pretty yeah, spot on. It was pretty Thank good. you. Uh, Mr. Frisbee, what is your good? Um, my good. By the way, talking about Evil Dead 2, um, we went through that Ash versus Evil Dead maze at Universal. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we did that. Um. When I tried to relate that to people, I don't think people think that's cool. I thought we were having a very good time and people were just kind of like, oh, okay, you went to Universal. All right. Like, that was fucking fun, right? Yeah. Or am I wrong? No, that's super cool. Okay. Yeah, well, people are being, showing some derision towards it. So, hmm. fuck that. Anyway, <laughs> good. Here's my good ending. Uh, Breaking Bad. Now, this was a show that went on for a couple of seasons. And it's one of the few TV shows that I kept up with as it was going on. Parker, I think you helped me get into this. Uh, you and my brother were like, oh, you should check out the show. Guess see what Walter White's doing. And <clears throat> end up watching the finale to this. And it's one of the few like TV finales that I actually enjoyed. So wraps up a lot of the loose ends for what characters were remaining. They all get like, you know, a few minutes under the sun to... So you figure out what they've done amidst all this chaos. Um, or I guess like chaos with some order considering how Walter White does stuff. But yeah, I dug it. I, I was happy with that ending. Do you guys watch that show? Oh, Parker, I know you did, but oh, I love what you, Derek? Uh, yeah, I watched the show. I unfortunately never finished the last season because I watched it up through, what was it, season four? Because it went five seasons, right? I think so. Yeah, I watched through the end of four and I thought the ending of season four was so perfect that I kind of was like, I don't want to see anymore. I kind of like how this ends right here. And uh, I ended up watching maybe one or two more episodes and I didn't quite dig the beginning of the season. So I just never finished it. Yeah, I really think that it like that. Yeah, I think that they should have just tacked on like two or three more episodes to the end of season four. And like the stuff that they did with um, what's his face the the brother in law who's a cop. 
Uh, yeah. I forget his name. But uh, if they would have just tacked on with whatever happened to him in season five, like that's the only part of season five that mattered because that's like the only part that was like, like the emotional arc of the show is the fact Hank is his name is that Walt yeah. and Hank would have to face off at some point. Like that's kind of where the yeah. entire show leads. So the fact that that, um, like everything else aside from that one thread gets wrapped up in season four. So I feel like they could have just put that in season four and had like a perfect ending, but instead you get this one strand with Hank at the end. And then like all this horse shit where like these new bad guys, like these new neo-Nazi bad guys appear out of nowhere. And none of that resonates emotionally because we've already tied up all the emotional ends of the, the show. So I don't like, I don't, I feel like season five is definitely the weakest season of the show, but I still like it. Mm. But is it just, uh, Jason? Is it just the final episode or the entire season that you dig? I was just talking about the final episode. Oh yeah, final but I mean, good. yeah, I guess I guess it all sucks. <laughs> Thanks. No, my bad. <laughs> See, I don't even know because I just didn't end up. I I think at the point I was just at that point of oversaturation because everybody was really on it, and I was just not feeling it. Like for some reason, it took me a really long time to get into Breaking Bad. And when I did, I loved it, like like everybody else with half a brain cell. Um, I just like binge watched the entire thing, and then that I don't know, there was just something about that final episode in season four that I just felt really satisfied with. Where I was just like, okay, well, I think I can be done. TV shows are a really tough sell for me. Like I, that's a huge commitment to have to watch like. 10 to 15 hours of something to get a story arc that it has to be so perfect for me to sit and watch it. So like I give up on shows one or two episodes in all the time. Yeah. When I was thinking of these picks, like not a lot of TV shows resonate, but this one impressed me and that it actually did what it kind of sets out to do in that Walter White has to die. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't feel it necessarily had to be at the hands of Hank even though, that, as you said, Parker, that's like a huge emotional tie-in. Um, I mean, Hank is still a cop. He's going to encounter all sorts of absurd, ridiculous situations. While those guys had nothing to do with anything else, it would have been weird and a little bit too on the nose for me if it was something to do with Walter, because they were always like tiptoeing around it, but he had no hard evidence for it. He just had that suspicion... And that paranoia about it. Well, both of them did, but the other one. So I'm not, I don't really feel like it needed to end with Hank. It could have, and it may have been even better, but I like for a show that they did what it set out to do. Um, a lot of shows don't go in with that, but Walter White does have like a clock ticking above his head that, you know, sword swinging. So he's got a, he has, they have to resolve that at least. And I think just the fact that a show did that one thing <laughs> was enough for me. Very <laughs> yeah. low standards, I guess. You know, I went in with it like saying, OK, it's a show. It's probably just going to go on until it peters out and nothing will happen. But um, no, there was a feeling of there was some conclusion to all of it. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, you definitely don't, don't get. Well, I'm going to talk about a TV show later that where like. <laughs> conclusion is very weird so yeah it is good to have a tv sh and i mean most tv shows get canceled before they can have their yeah. conclusion which is like a super bummer to invest you know five seasons into watching angel and then they get canceled two days before uh you know 
a to-be-continued season finale, and they just got to wrap it up, and, you know, that's that, so. <laughs> or for yeah. seven seasons of a Dexter, and he turns into a lumberjack at the fucking end. Well, yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> was going to talk about that Dexter. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so my good of an ending is Taxi Driver, the movie film, where, spoiler alert for Taxi have you guys seen the Taxi Driver? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm just making sure. But uh, the taxi driver ends perfectly where this guy uh, spirals out of control, feels like the only thing that will uh, give him any like catharsis or reason to live is this one violent act. He does it, and then, we're ca- and then we kind of get this implied ending where, no, nah, he, he didn't actually get the catharsis he wanted. He's going to have to do this more and more and more. And uh, that's the kind of uh, tragedy sort of of the story uh, is that you don't get the catharsis you want even after trying hard for it. Um, and But a bunch of dickheads on the internet feel like that's not the ending. <laughs> a, a bunch of dumb losers think that they have this theory that uh, Travis Bickle <laughs> dies and that while he's in heaven, he thinks that uh, his dying wishes are that he's hailed as a hero, which is like not the intent by any means of the film. Uh, it's just people not understanding how to like read what a... <laughs> what a storyteller is telling you and making up their own dumb horse shit. So uh, this perfect ending, uh, A, the movie has a perfect ending and people uh, are trying to ruin it with their dumb fucking fan theories on the internet. But uh, what do you guys think about the ending of Taxi Driver and uh, stupid ass fan theories on the internet? Stupid ass fan theories on the internet can go take a hike. That that shit. <laughs> I, do you actually sit and read a lot of that stuff? Uh, sometimes. I mean, like, if I see, like, a thing on Facebook that it's, like, the top ten fan theories, I'll check it out. But I don't, uh, like, spend, like, I, like if I watch a movie, I don't immediately go out and be like, I need the fan theory right now. But I'll... Oh, I did that shit with the new Twin Peaks. Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> oh, my God. I read so many variety pieces after every episode. <laughs> okay. Holy I was shit. like... I was like, where is Derek going with this? Because you're like, do you really sit and read those? Because I do a lot for <laughs> Twin Peaks, especially. <laughs> I just did. That was like the only time. Like, I've never been into like the whole after show commiserate talk thing. Like the was it the Talking Dead or mm-hmm. now there's the Beyond Stranger Things or whatever the hell it is. It, but yeah. Twin Peaks was just so dense and there was just so much that I needed to wrap my head around. It had been so long since I had seen the show that I had to remember that I kind of felt like I needed somebody to kind of walk me through it a little bit. And I usually am not like that. Yeah. I did that for a couple of those episodes. And then I was at a certain point, like people were taking some of those threads and going off in wild directions with Mm -hmm. them. Like halfway through, someone's like, all right, here's my all encompassing theory about what this season means. And I'm like, <laughs> fucking. Yeah. Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. I typed nerd to some random on the internet. Um, Blow me, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier when you type it, it's just easier on the eyes, I think. Um, so yeah, I know what you mean. I was I was doing that for a while. And I'm like, I can't do this because, you know, one like none of these people had anything to do with the show and its production. And two, this is exactly the kind of stuff that Dave Lynch would just like kind of brush off and be like, no, that's not it. That's not it either. And just like, even if it was even close, he wouldn't give any hints to it. So what's the point? You know, everybody's gonna come up with their own theories about it. So yeah, I think fan theories are 
are played out for the birds. And that one, especially for the end of Taxi Driver, that he died and went to heaven. That's <laughs> that's kind of goofy to me. Like, it's a very clear ending. Yeah. I thought like there's there's nothing to imply that's a dream sequence. I mean, I haven't seen it for a while. And I know it's a little far fetched that he ends up like I isn't a civil shepherd. The one who gets in the taxi at the end. Yeah. And just kind of looks looks at him through rear view. Yeah. Like granted, that's a little bit far out. Uh, but it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility. It's not like a dream sequence. Yeah. 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 That seems really silly. It's weird. And like the Ferris Bueller one is stupid. And I mean, I, I can kind of see it with David Lynch, like why you would hit hit the hit uh, the books and start doing research on fan theories because it's like there is no I, David Lynch is not trying to say anything. Like He just wants to throw a bunch of weird shit at the screen. So like there is nothing <laughs> you can't get it wrong. Like if you want to go, oh, yeah, at the end of uh, it's see. Season three of Twin Peaks, Travis Bickle uh, is actually in heaven and he's just pretending his last time. And everything is fine. So you did watch it. You're saying you did watch it. <laughs> I, I, I got to the end. I saw Travis Bickle. <laughs> like there is no actual thesis statement to Twin Peaks. So, yeah, make up your own thesis statement. Uh, but I mean, you know, Scorsese t- is telling a story. You can't just make up your own story on top of Scorsese's story. That's crazy. Yeah. For anybody else, it doesn't seem to work that well. For Lynch, it does because it's well i mean for the directorial part yeah mark frost probably i haven't read the final dossier yet that came out but he's probably got like some story threads in there that yeah are intent but yeah i agree like lynch is mainly there to subvert expectations for what you're seeing scorsese on the other hand like yeah there is a lot of story to his stuff He's a literalist for the most part. I mean, the vast majority of his movies aren't metaphorical movies. They may have subtext, but they're not movies that are that there's a lot of people as symbols in stuff like that, it, it, especially mm-hmm. Taxi Driver. It's a very literal movie. And how like Goodfellas is hyper literal. Like you have a character breaking scene multiple times like here's what you're looking at right now <laughs> see this guy this is his name and this other guy well that was his name he was like this in this instance take a look mm-hmm. so yeah i don't think scorsese's gonna like be too artsy about that stuff uh has he ever employed any sort of dream sequence i'm trying to think back to like mean streets or any other shit or even something more recent, like I haven't seen Shutter it. Island. Oh yeah. yeah, all right, on the nose. Yeah, that was like a psychosis film, right? Yeah, uh, I yeah. think so. Okay. Yeah, that's one. Or of the... was it Bringing Back the Dead? Wasn't that the one with Nick Cage, where he that was, was like... that? Yeah. I I haven't seen that since I was a youngster. I don't recall. He was an ambulance driver, and he kind of had hallucinations. Yeah. Yeah. He was sleepy. Okay. He was very sleepy in that movie. That's all I, I think those are implied with the characters, though. It's not like Lynch, where it's like you just kind of get thrown into a scene. You're wondering what you're watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what is your bad ending, Derek? Um, one mo- there's it's very rare that I walk out of a movie after seeing a movie where I thought, oh, my God, this was actually a good movie. And then the end just ruins the movie completely. But um Rob Zombie's Devil's Rejects is one of my least favorite endings of all time. You have this movie. Oh, I hate that ending (laughs) with such a fierceness. (laughs) This this movie where you have a bunch of 
serial killing rapist necrophiles <laughs> that are just like the worst people on earth. And they get to a point in the movie. Spoiler alert again. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> where they basically get their comeuppance and the ending itself, like the content of like what's being done in it isn't necessarily bad. It's that they put this good old boy Leonard Skinner song over top of this ending to which it makes these people out to be heroes that never rubbed me the right way. It always kind of felt like these people are the worst people on earth. There should be no reason these people have any sort of like arc as if they're like heroes and that they're going out on their own terms and blah, blah, blah. No, they had nothing left. They they were going to get killed. But of course, we have to, in true Rob Zombie style, listen to some classic rock tune <laughs> played at full volume. Some fucking Leonard Skinner song played over. Uh, I hate that fucking. I've, oh, I, I'm in the minority. I know I am. But I've always hated the ending to Devil's Rejects. Let me ask you this. Would it have been better if that slow-mo ending sequence was uh, accompanied by Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin? <laughs> or what about Yola Tango? What if we... we get... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, maybe. Cherry maybe. Lip Gloss is playing in the background. <laughs> that would be... Man, I might make that edit myself. That could be cool. <laughs> Do that and edit. Put it up on the Junk Food Dinner <laughs> YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My fan theory... Is that it was always meant to be Yola Tango at the end of this. <laughs> now that's a fan theory I can get behind. <laughs> Start writing that. Do fan fiction where Yola Tango is actually integrated into the Devil's Rejects somehow, or the Devil's Rejects, the the next our movie. Yola Tango. Yeah, our Yola Tango part three that he's writing currently. They're Yola Tango. That's how they can continue on. Watch what do you, out, I mean, obviously, so you like that ending, Frisbee? Is that what you're saying? All right. I like, it's good to me because uh, they are getting their comeuppance to a song that I don't really particularly care for. Like, I almost took it as parody, but I don't think that was the intent behind it. Well, I think there is a little bit of because Rob Zombie always likes to. So he's a guy that likes to flip the bird to everything. So I think it is kind of tongue in cheek. I think he oh, okay. is kind of making fun of things, but it this oh god, it just most people aren't going to get that it's kind of a joke. I think most people, most mouth breathers are gonna hear that and go, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh god, that bothers me so badly. Parker, what do you think of this? Um, I mean, I don't I think it's a fine ending for the movie. I think that Rob Zombie and Tim Burton are both guys that like I mean like I think that's the only ending that the movie can have because Rob Zombie, much like Tim Burton, are dudes where they f- sincerely believe that the bad guys in their stories are the good guys, and I don't think that there's much irony to it. Like I think that they just, uh, I, I think that Rob Zombie says, "Yeah, this family of inbred hicks who go around killing cops and cheerleaders that that's a that's the good thing to do," and so that they get a hero's journey, <laughs> like they get a hero's death for doing that. Because cheerleaders wouldn't date me in high school. And I kind of like now that now that you say that I'm with Frisbee on maybe the immigrant song should have been playing there. It has a Viking funeral feel to it, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I can... still over slow motion, by the way. 
Yeah. That's the only way it'll work. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I kind of feel like that's the only ending for that that, that story can have since they were the good guys. Yeah, that makes sense. You're, I'm coming around now. You guys have <laughs> convinced me. Um, Frisbee, what is your bad? Uh, my bad, very simply, is the ending to the TV show Cheers. I didn't watch all the Cheers, but I did watch the last episode, and I thought it sucked. Um, hey, just to give you a rundown. Hold on one second. Hold on. My cat's freaking out. Oh, I thought LeBron James did something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> The cat's jumping at the TV while LeBron James is flailing around. Or maybe the cat's name is LeBron James. And that's what he was referring to earlier. Like LeBron James hurt himself. <laughs> this cat. This cat's freaking out about having hurt itself. I, I do like pets that are that have real people names. Like when somebody has a cat or a dog named Jeff mm-hmm. or Steve. That's something yeah. I like right. a there. lot. Sorry. It's very good, like in a public setting too. Like Steve, Steve, get over here! Come on, Steve! Come on, Steve! Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy, Fred? <laughs> uh, right. Oh, but yeah, uh, you back, Parker. I'm back. Yeah. So Cheers is a sitcom that was very popular, <clears throat> and the show ends with Sam Malone closing the bar. And then when, like, somebody knocks on the door, like you do when you're at a bar, like, hello, bar, are you open? Uh, He says, sorry, we're closed. And I think they thought that was going to be, like, really, really humble and and quite powerful. But I just thought it was really dumb. I don't like it. I think about it every once in a while, and it's, like, one of the lamest endings to anything I can think of. I would prefer that ending, like if the guy came in and then uh, he was like, hey, are you uh, Sam Malone? And then Sam Malone was like, uh, I don't even know your name. Just like That's like the whole point of Cheers is that everybody knows your name. <laughs> That'd be a much sadder ending. It implies that like, unlike the theme song's promotional uh, chorus, you know, Sam Malone has Alzheimer's and is... <laughs> Quickly forgetting everybody. Uh, and Yola Tango plays in the background while the credits roll. Yeah. Yeah. Very sad. A very sad ending. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be like um kind of kind of sappy and, and sad. And I I just found it really ineffective. Like, what the fuck? It just seems creepy that this guy would be showing up, I guess at like 2 a.m. being like, hey, can I still drink here? Or however late it was in the day, like this guy in a full suit, he could have been a murderer or something. Yeah, if you're going out to a bar at 2 a.m. in a full suit, you're you're a fucked up individual. I think so. <laughs> a real wow. Pat Bateman. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe he's like the mine hunter. He kn- he knows. He knew. That's why he said it was closed. Oh, I haven't watched any of it. Is that what the mine hunter does. I have no idea. I've never seen a single episode. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just guessing. He just goes to closed bars. That's what the hell. I wonder if I could mind hunt in here. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. I, I think that show sounds far more interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? Did you ever watch tears? Or do you remember this ending? Yeah, I remember it. I remember it, but that show was kind of petering out towards the end anyway. So yeah, it's not a very good ending. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I never watched it. 
It was before my time. But Sean Byron and Mike Dick really seem to like it. So hopefully they do a podcast about it one day. Just every single episode is another episode of Cheers? Yep. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I want in life is for those guys to team up and talk about Cheers for 500 episodes. Uh, yeah, that seems practical. <laughs> I bet you they'll do it. <laughs> I'm hoping they do it for my birthday because a birthday present to okay. me. Uh, my bad ending is a film. Uh, my man, Hatless Jackson's probably going to be mad at me for this, but it's uh, Batman Begin or Batman Returns, rather. Uh, in Batman Returns, the ending features a bunch of penguins with rocket launchers strapped to their back trying to destroy a city. <laughs> and that's stupid. And uh, besides that, <laughs> Uh, my man Batman, he's like uh, after like blowing up entire like factories full of bad guys and like uh, like literally attaching a bomb to a guy and then throwing him down a manhole so that he explodes and dies. He uh, spends the climax of the film trying to explain to uh, Selena Kyle that she cannot kill Christopher Walken because that would make her a bad guy. And heroes don't kill people, despite the fact that he just spent the entire movie killing people. And then also he goes, you can't kill him. We got to take him in alive. And then he tears off his cowl, revealing his true face to the bad guy who he wants to turn in to the police. Uh, and it sucks. It's fucking stupid. Uh, so that's my bad ending. What do you guys think about it? Yeah, the ending, um, I don't remember it being very good. I remember the the uh, rocket strap penguins that you mentioned. Some of them like took off their rocket packs to give... Danny DeVito, a Viking funeral. Done <laughs> While immigrant of, song. Yeah, with immigrant song playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sad and also confusing, like most of uh, Tim Burton's stuff. <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> funeral scene. <laughs> That's the best part of the movie, I thought, was the, was the Viking funeral. But yeah, I, a lot of people seem to hate that movie i actually like that movie more than tim burton's first movie but yeah that ending is is quite weird i mean he's giving this speech isn't selena kyle Catwoman? so she's actually is a bad guy so yeah uh, he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah she spends the whole uh first two hours of the film being a bad guy and then batman shows up to explain to her that she has to not be a bad guy it's it's weird it's weird well he's trying to justify the fact that he wants to go to the bone zone with her i mean that's the whole reason he doesn't want he can't be with a bad guy chick he can't go take her i mean he's a womanizer that's what bruce wayne is but this time he needs a moral girl to go home with so maybe that's the reason why yeah you can never like date a lady who's killed Christopher Walken. I feel like that would suck. You like what would you have in common? <laughs> it's a step too far. It's no good. Uh what is your ugly then, Derek? Um I'm gonna keep with uh the thread of I'm I'm doing only horror movies right now. Uh the ugliest ending to this day, probably that uh I've ever seen is the ending of Dario Argento's opera. I don't know if mm. you guys are familiar with this. Have you guys ever seen this movie? Yeah, but I'm I'm kind of loose on the ending. I just watched like Suspiria a couple of times. Well, so it's because it's very out. forgettable, Jason. It's very forgettable because <laughs> okay. the movie the movie is about somebody that's um, killing people that are associated with a production of Hamlet. Yeah, at an, at an opera house, and then. Mm-hmm. 
they find out in true Jallo fashion that uh, there's a guy that's been killing everybody and he gets burnt up and killed. And then all yeah. of a sudden the movie has it, it totally drastically switches tone to like this sound of music um <laughs> landscape in the mountains with green pastures and and all this stuff and i expect i've always labeled it and this is going to be very problematic but i always put my foot in my mouth about everything it reminded me of like those early 90s commercials for like massingill <laughs> where it's this <laughs> like soft lighting and in uh, fields and trying to make women feel good that they have to use this product in the ending of Dario Gento's opera is always this double ending that just doesn't need to be there whatsoever. It just feels like you go from this hard gore giallo to this really weird commercial ending where the guy comes back to life and they ha- chases him through the it's just the worst ending ever. I, I for such a good movie, it is literally the worst way you could end that movie. That is really strange. I, I do remember the guy burning uh, pretty vividly. In fact, like he almost had a uh, Phantom of the Opera look going on, like at least a cape, right? Mm-hmm. OK, yeah, I remember that. I remember the flames and all that. I don't remember the soft ending. I probably blocked that from my memory because it just doesn't make any sense. It's dumb. Yeah, but that movie otherwise, yeah, it's great. So that's weird that it has such a a sloppy ending like that. Like, well, um, that's I think that's a, like the last movie he made where he was at like the top of his game, and that hmm. ending just kind of gives you an idea of where he's about to fall off into. Oh yeah, like praying mantis, Draculas, and stuff. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, yeah, like opera was one of the first films of his. I think it was the first film of his that became aware of because uh, Parker might remember this. A friend of ours back in Dayton. Um, you remember Brian from DMA and all that? Yeah, yeah. He had the opera tattoo, right? And the shirt. He had the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> like if, he may have had a tattoo as well, but he had this. I'm not sure where he got the shirt from, but it was just maybe from like a horror convention or something at that time, like you would have had to have done like in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. And it was just a screen print, a white stencil on a black T-shirt of that famous cover, that famous shot of the girl, like with the um, sewing needles, like on her eyelids or whatever those needles were, like being forced to watch whatever grisly thing was happening in front of her. It's such a stunning visual Mm-hmm. That was like, what is this from? Like, I had to give up and just be like, you got to tell me what this is, because this is strange. And having watched it, I remember a lot of those scenes. I remember most of that movie. But yeah, the ending is not registered. I'll have to go back and rewatch it so I can be disappointed. <laughs> you'll be disappointed and then you'll promptly forget it like immediately cool. afterward, which will negate the entire experiment of you going back and actually watching it. Cause I'm I think most that. people's brains just want to completely forget that that ever happened. I never yeah. saw it. So I don't know, but I, I trust you guys. I believe you guys. That is that this is forgettable. Are you an our gentleman? Um, <laughs> do you like Argento movies? I like all you the. You just saw Goblin, right? I, I yeah. I mean, I do like that Goblin. I, I like all the Argento movies I've seen, which is only like five or six. But I I don't like him nearly as much as everybody else does. 
Like I, uh, I mean, I like that he puts monkeys with with uh, straight razors in his movies, but like I don't. Think <laughs> that's that, understandable. I don't think that that's like a thing that like a good director would do. <laughs> <laughs> but I like him. Yeah, I'm. I'm a fan. I've uh, haven't watched all of his stuff, but everything I've watched has been well more memorable than opera, to be honest. I mean, just because I hadn't seen it so long, but like Tenebre and. All that jazz. It's good. He yeah, directed I'm, all that jazz? I'm a tremendously huge he did fan. All that jazz. I've actually seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even the bad stuff? Like, I know yes. which ones to stay away from, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I need to watch more. I need to get into that bad stuff. I need to see that Dracula movie. <laughs> oh, yes. I think you'll really appreciate the Dracula. Yeah. He did that Phantom of the Opera with Julian Sands, right? Oh my gosh! I see that. That's what that, I gotta see. Oh, that's when you gotta see. Oh, that movie is horrendous. I need to see it. And Julian Sands. Yeah, Mr. Frisbee. What is your ugly? My ugly is uh, Man on the Moon, the Andy Kaufman biopic starring Jim Carrey, directed by uh, Milos Forman. Is that it? Yeah. Um, as we we're talking about before the show. At least does Derek. Are you into Andy Kaufman at all, or do you hate him, or what? Uh, I'm kind of indifferent. I I find him funny. Okay, yeah. Um, I know at least like from watching all those Comedy Central specials, they used to play monthly when I was a kid. That's when I was first introduced to him and really got into him. Like the idea of um his elaborate kind of prank performance. In his comedy, uh, just seeing how far he could take something, you know. And the film is is pretty good. Like it does a lot, of, hits a lot of the right beats. It does a lot of things interesting uh, or interestingly. But the ending, um, it focuses on like Andy dying and how he tried to seek other treatment for what was a terminal cancer that he was trying to battle. And he goes through the, this movie shows you like, okay, he knows he's dying now and he comes to that realization and he has a funeral. And then there's this memorial service, I think like months or a year later that's being put on and it features the alter ego that Andy Kaufman and Bob Zamuda, like his partner in a lot of these pranks and, in production and just management, really. Bob's I mean, it was this like, kind of manager. Um, this character called Tony Clifton, who's kind of a lounge lizard. And uh, whenever they performed as Tony Clifton, it was this gross body lounge lizard type, like just guy passed way past his prime. They'd wear all these facial prosthetics and like fake mustache. So it didn't look like either of them. So either of them could play it. So at this memorial show that's tacked on as like a stinger at the end of the movie, you see Tony Clifton on the stage and you're like, okay, so Bob Zamuda is playing Tony Clifton, but wait, the camera pans and Bob Zamuda is in the audience watching Tony Clifton on stage. Hmm. How could this be? Well, I guess we're just going to perpetuate a rumor that Andy's death was faked and it's all one elaborate prank, even though this movie kind of settled it for us. So yeah, I thought that was really weird to end the movie like that because there's this entire 
there's probably not as strong as it was, but there used to be this conspiracy of like, Andy Kaufman's not dead. It's just one long prank, man. Just all a prank. It's like, no, he, as much as that fits in with the line of comedy that he did while he was alive, like it's real fucked up to insist that. And for people to keep insisting it, like there've been like a few attempts by small groups who thought they're being edgy as fuck by trying to be like, Oh yeah, we know the secret behind Andy Kaufman. And, it really doesn't amount to anything. Like there's not even a good payoff to it, a joke or whatever. Like, I don't think it's anything that he would have appreciated. So to insist it on this biopic movie at the end, I mean, I don't know how, honestly, I'm kind of conflicted about how they could have ended it, but it's uh, it was a, it's a weird kind of hammy ending that I didn't really care for. Yeah. I mean, didn't just like a year or two ago, like, a daughter come forward trying to claim that he was still alive and he was somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm telling you, that's exactly that kind of shit. Like, and I think that was from Andy's brother brought her on stage. So I think he had something to do with it, but we're in the age of the internet now. So people like within days were like, Oh yeah, that girl is this actress from Minnesota who already has parents that are, you know, her birth parents. So this stuff gets, it's not I don't know if you could have another Andy Kaufman way that he did it back then today, like people would be able to tap into it, especially with like how ever present people are in media or social media for that matter. Like you just can't be on all the time. Um, so anyway, yeah, I thought that was a real lame ending to insinuate like Andy's still alive and he's playing Tony Clifton at this memorial thing. It's like gross. Well, I think you the way you said, you know, you don't know how it would have ended. I think that's the big problem with doing a biopic on him is like, how do you legitimately bring closure to that story? You can't. That's the rub, isn't it? Because it is a thing that people tend to think about. And I know there's there's probably a few out there creative decisions that could have been made probably wouldn't have been as widely accepted because I don't know a lot of people that have a problem with that ending. Um, and again, like I'm kind of at an impasse myself because I don't know how so would have ended. You know, it just I don't know. It just feels like such a cop out. The more I think about, it, the more I'm like, why? Why the slow pan <laughs> to fucking Bob Zamuda? Bob Zamuda. Yeah, I agree that if you like take the ending literally, it's a bummer because yeah, I don't like all that. Andy Kaufman's alive, uh, Tupac's alive, uh, mm-hmm. kind of garbage. But uh, as a metaphor, I think it's cool that, you know. Yeah, as a metaphor, co- it's fine. His comedy lives on. It's a cute little metaphor. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I'm good with a metaphor. It's adorable. <laughs> it's a cute metaphor. <laughs> it's Some a cute little metaphor over there. Oh, come here, little metaphor. I feel like I'm in a spark song right now. <laughs> um, my ugly. I was gonna go with Dexter because. Uh, <laughs> oh, did I ruin your ugly? <laughs> I wasn't totally sold, but uh, I had a backup. So Dexter's a little bit wacky. He does uh, get into an incestuous relationship with his sister. It's very silly. Wow. And- <laughs> <laughs> and braves through a hurricane and then turns into a lumberjack. It's very, very bizarre. Um, and then, but so I'm going to go with this new man there, this new movie called the snowman. 
Um, it's one of the worst movies, so I feel like you guys probably haven't seen it, but I'm going to spoil it for you. Anyway. You mean Harry Hole? Harry Hole, the Harry Hole movie. It's about a movie named Harry Hole, or about a man named Harry Hole. Um, oh, God. At one person, a guy even walks up and says, if it isn't the great Harry Hole. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Well, now I have to see this movie. It's pretty wild, just for the sheer just amount of time. Yeah, people... I just want to see a supercut of all the instances where somebody says "Harry Hole." It's a few times. It's really weird. Like, they... <laughs> and then like they zoom in on like a lot of his mail and stuff that says "Harry Hole." It's just like, why are you guys bringing attention to this? Like... I want it to be intercut with where like the mail, and then somebody looks at it, and then it's just like it's intercut with another shot right after it, where somebody looks really forlorn. <laughs> like like the mailman like oh man this has a rough life <laughs> i can't believe i got to deliver this mail all the time now if that entire movie was just people asking for the name harry hole and people responding to it or at least like shots of the name itself that would be interesting i don't know if it's like an hour and a half long interesting but still mm-hmm. I would get some chuckles out of it. Yeah, that that joke's got legs. I would it watch does, a whole right? mo- I would watch a whole movie where the the whole joke was them just constantly saying Harry Hole like <laughs> all the time through the movie. I would watch that. Yeah. Yeah, they sh- I mean it, it definitely would have increased my enjoyment if they would have done it more. They only do it a I mean they do it too much, but it's not nearly enough. <laughs> um but my real problem with this movie's ending is like um the whole time, well, part of the time. The trailer really sells you that this is like a serial killer movie which is not it's like a drama about a guy like trying to deal with the fact that his ex-wife has a new boyfriend for most of it but then like at the end there's a serial killer for some reason and then harry hole has to confront him on like an ice uh, like an iced over lake because it's norway and uh rather than like actually like doing some heroic thing to stop the serial killer like the serial killer like lit- like just falls in to the ice and dies and then the movie's over. Does he <laughs> fall into a hairy hole? He, fall, he <laughs> falls into a coldy hole. Uh, <laughs> coldy hole? A coldy hole. And then Harry Hole says, it's Coldy a, Han? A, yeah. <laughs> coldy Han shows up. Yeah, it's a metaphorical hairy hole. Like yeah. a hairy situation, it's but a, in a hole form. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deep cut. I mean, you gotta really dig for that one. It's a deep hole. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that's like telling somebody to blow me at a Philip Glass concert. Yeah, oh. well, <laughs> it, is it? <laughs> it is. Well, that's kind of what okay. happens in this as well. The guy falls into the the lake, and then Harry Holt like it zooms in on him, and he just says, "Blow me, nerd." And then, <laughs> and then the movie is over. <laughs> oh god. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, I think it's ugly and terrible. Well, now because, I have to see this film. Yeah, it's pretty good actually. But uh, I think we're obligated now by law. Yeah, yeah. Once That's a new law I'm going to enact. Seeing how this is the episode where I can make laws, the new law is we have to watch the Harry Hole movie. <laughs> no longer titled the Snowman. Yeah, they should. <laughs> the Harry Hole movie. Yeah, that would be a much better name for the movie. Starring Coldy Hawn. <laughs> Please, please let them all have like uh, redone punny frost nicknames. Yeah. Coldy Han. Gary Coldman is in it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to think of. That's the thing that bugged me that not a lot of people caught on to the fact that Val Kilmer is in this film, who 
came to some stardom by playing the role of Iceman in fucking Top Gun. Mm. Oh, now I that's get a it. deep joke. Yeah. Yeah, uh, now I get. Now I understand why he's there. Like, there's no need for him to be in the movie other than that reference. So you're probably right. This probably it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably says like, I'm so tired of all those Top Guns. He does. Can't wait to relax. And where are they? Norway. Norway. For no reason. Okay. At all. Everyone speaks English there. Cool. Um, Good to know. The movie's what I heard. Yeah. Uh, but that's the end of the show. I would like to thank you, Derek, for joining us. And where can the kids find your program at? Well, I want to thank you guys for letting me be on one of the final episodes of uh, Pool Party Radio. I mean, it's quite an honor and a privilege to be here. You're so, very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It seems how this show is going to self-destruct. I'm, I'm glad I got to be on it before it self-destructed. Uh, the, the kids can find uh, my podcast, Astro Radio Z, at astroradioz.com and... Wherever you find podcasts, it's there. We have a YouTube page. We have a Patreon. I'm not going to shill. Well, I am kind of shilling, so I'll shill. Um, also, occasionally on uh, Junk Food Dinner once in a while, once once a year to remind Sean Byron how wrong he is about Black Roses. So. I can't even believe how <laughs> wrong he is about that movie. Uh, well, yeah. thanks for coming on the show. It was yeah. fun having you on here. We'd, this has been a long-ass episode. That's true. Well, we got into a lot of deep conversations. I mean, there were a lot of things we had to work out. That's true. (laughs) That is very true. Very true. And uh, why not? It's an extravaganza. We're approaching number 300. We can do what we want. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the meantime, between now and then, uh, you can also check out Mr. Frisbee's other podcast, the Zatoichi Program. Where can the kids find that? It's the Blind Podsman, the Zatoichi Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, on our website, on your podcast player of choice. Um, yeah, we'll be coming back, I believe, next week with a new episode. After all the traveling and whatnot we've been doing, we've been on a brief hiatus, as we are wont to do, like every other month. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we'll be back on it here shortly. Nice. Uh, you can also check us out on the Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash pool party radio. Find us in Podcast Town. It's a group. You've probably heard of it. Uh, you know, check us out there, poolpartyradio.com. Give us emails. Oh, we got one from Matthew Sweetman. We'll read it next time, Matthew Sweetman. We'll catch up with you. Uh, send us emails at poolpartyradio at gmail.com and all that other kind of stuff. Leave us a, an iTunes review. We, we already, pa- I, I wanted it to stay at 69 iTunes reviews and then some joker gave us a 70th. So we might as well get some more since we're it's a real up. dick move. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. really. So now we got to get to 420. To make yeah, it that's funny. a. <laughs> you only got like a few weeks to do that. Yeah. What about uh, one eight seven? Isn't that a little more uh, reasonable? Yeah. It's a bit more violent for my standards, <laughs> but and this is more Parker show than mine. So, what do you think? One eight seven? I think we could do one eight seven. If <laughs> I think okay. that would be good enough. I think it's really a... looking for that four twenty though. Yeah, four twenty is really what we want. We'll settle with one eight seven. Uh, so until next time, this is Parker Ford, Derek, and Cumulus Frisbee saying thanks for having fun.
He would gladly tell you, too. It's like when Hugh Hefner died, he's like, hey, we fucked the same people. It was great. <laughs> so it's like he was halfway there. Yeah. He, he doesn't like to keep that stuff bottled up. <laughs> but no. does, he da- does he dance while he fucks? Oh, I'm sure of it. I'm sure he dances before and after. A little bit done. <laughs> That's how he it's like breaking two when yeah. you have sex with Corey Feldman. That's probably true. Just uh, just his music playing in the background the whole entire time. Oh, I'm sure mm-hmm. Corey Feldman's the kind of guy who has sex to his own album. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely sure. Mirrors on the ceiling, voice through the speakers. Yeah. He probably makes his wife like put on a mask that looks like him as well. <laughs> or at least the fedora. Like the fedora and the sunglasses. In the glove. Yeah. <laughs> put on this glove and then touch my wiener. I'm Corey Feldman. Just one <laughs> finger, please. One finger. Yeah. 